Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news, reviews, and playthroughs. And today we're reviewing Gen Con 2022. This is part two of the series. We do start a little bit abruptly here in the middle of our discussion of Thursday night. If you want to hear the full recap of what we did last week, we started with part one. Today, we're going to cover games like Oathsworn. We're going to cover games like the new G.I. Joe game. We're also going to cover a game that just ended on Kickstarter, the new Dark Tower expansion. So all that and more covered on this episode. If you stay tuned after the end credits, I do have some final thoughts on some things that have even changed in the last couple weeks since we recorded this episode. So stay tuned for that. But for now, here's me, Terrence, and Jerry talking Gen Con. So that night, we ended up playing Oathsworn. If you want to hear my thoughts on Oathsworn, check back a couple of episodes for that. But it was the first experience for both of you. So we'll start with Terrence. What were your thoughts on Oathsworn, which is a dungeon crawl in the vein of something like a Gloomhaven well, or whatever? It's more where boss battle, right? In dungeon crawl. That's yeah, not a dungeon crawl. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It is more of a boss battler. You're right. I thought it was good. I mean, the last time I played Osworn was with you at Gen Con in 2019. It was the last time I was Gen Con. So I thought it was kind of funny that it's taken that long for me to actually get the game in hand. Um, but that demo, which I think he was still doing, like uh, I had another friend who did that Osworn demo with the guy. And I think he literally was running the same demo they ran in 2019, where it's like a very... I think like prescriptive, like one turn and then you kind of get the feel for it. But it was really cool to actually like play more than one turn in the combat. I think the story bits in the beginning were just more the environment than the actual parts of it were kind of just tough to follow along in that lobby, like in a convention when you're not at home. So to be fair, we because this game is so heavy, we literally traveled the least possible distance to play it. So our hotel did not really have a gaming space in the lobby. So we had to travel to the what was JR Marriott? We went we played at Regency, right? Hyatt Regency, I'm sorry. So we played <laughs> in the lobby of the Hyatt Regency, which we had also played in. That's where we played Hansi Teutonica and, and Marvel Champions the night before. We're like, oh, this is a hotel that's close to us, and it's got decent gaming space, although we ended up playing on this like coffee table both nights. So you're like, it's not an ideal gaming setting as it was. And then they also happen to have a bourbon night there that night, which, hey, look, anybody who listened to our PAX episode knows I'm down with like whiskey nights, bourbon nights, whatever else. But you don't want to play a heavy story based game and try to follow the story when all of that is going on behind you. I feel like they were way louder than our whiskey night was. Uh, well, you're wrong on that one. You're <laughs> having walked into your whiskey night uh, after much whiskey had been consumed it was not quiet okay all right so i'm wrong and i'm fully willing to admit that all right so jerry what were your thoughts on osworn i liked it i too the last time i played it was in 2019 i had that same demo at the osworn booth and like you said it was all you know pre-set up so it kind of gave an overview of all the cool things you could do but this was the first time playing it i was really really tired by this point because i hadn't gone to bed until early in the morning on wednesday night Plus, I had just played Torg, which you know, was hurting my head. So I was fading a bit during the narrative portions until we got to the actual boss battle part, which is odd because I tend to like the narrative parts of things. But 
I, I want to try it again when I'm awake, I guess, is what I'm getting down to. I think I will like it quite a bit when I'm conscious or have had more caffeine. So, yeah, I think for all of us, it was a big pro, although the, the situation was not ideal. I think we all at least enjoyed what we were doing during the combat parts, if nothing else. And just a reminder for those of you who didn't get a chance to listen to our review yet, you can skip the narrative part, not completely, but you can basically turn it into a one pager where you're getting the highlights of what the story is. So I do think at least for me, that's the way I'm going to play it. And the the story is well written either way, whatever part you're in. But yeah, we were not an ideal setting for the story, but gameplay is freaking awesome. It's probably my game of the year. It probably my game of the last like three to five years, to be honest. I mean, I just love Osworn. So to hear me gush more, go check out, you know, whatever episode it was a few episodes ago. And you'll, you'll uh, hear my, my thoughts on it more uh, succinctly. All right. So Friday, uh, so Friday morning, I said, you know what? Thursday was basically an all day media slash food coma day. So I'm going to spend some time with my son. So I took him to the stadium. So for those of you who haven't been to Gen Con before, not only does it take over the entire convention center, which is huge, not only does it take over like five or six hotels and their biggest ballrooms throughout downtown Indianapolis, but it also takes over the football stadium. So I wanted to show this to my son. Like we literally just walked to the football stadium and there is a... Between all the hotels in the convention center, between the stadium and the convention center, there are these sky bridges, or this one happens to be a tunnel underground to get from the convention center to the stadium. So I walked him over there. There are video games all along the left wall as we're walking in there. And then you get to this football stadium, and they have their open game library there. Now, it is 20 bucks for a half day. So unlike the board game pass at Origins, it's a little more expensive. But I don't know. Just to be able to play on a football field is really cool. We did not play, but we just walked it. There was this big van in the middle of the stadium. Again, all this is parked, like, on the field, whatever. We're like, what's going on in the van? And my son's like, people playing games in there. And I, like, peek my head around the corner. And sure enough, there's people in the van playing, like, a role-playing game. So super fun. Just a neat experience. If you've never been to Gen Con, make sure you go to the football stadium at least once because you will never in your life see as many geeks on a football field as you will in uh, at Gen Con. So that was super fun. Did that with him on Friday morning. Then we went to a place called Wild Bills. Now, I know Jerry got in on this. Uh, Terrence, do you know what Wild Bills is? Uh, I do not. Okay, so Wild Bills is in the food truck area. It's a soda place. So they have like unique soda flavors, which you buy a cup and it's like 35, 40 bucks for the cup. And then like you get unlimited refills. And then if you want to refill at any other convention ever that you go to, which has a wild bill. So it's at PAX. Uh, I don't know. I think it might be at Origins as well. You pay seven bucks for refills for the day and you get unlimited soda refills. So my son was super uh, well, into it. Not really unlimited. Well, there's lines, of course, and they did run out of the only diet soda they had, which was diet root beer, which is freaking great. But they did run out of it on Saturday. But anyway, Nick and I had gotten it on Friday. Jerry, sadly, didn't get his till Saturday. And then they ran out of soda like halfway through the day on Saturday, or at least the one he was interested in. No, I got um, I got mine on Friday. Oh, okay. But anyway, it, it was kind of a cool, neat experience. If you haven't checked that out. 
Like, I, not only do I want to talk about the cool games here, but I want to talk about the cool experience, too. Like, if you go to Gen Con, I think this is something you should definitely look into. Again, we're bringing our mug with us when we go to PAX later this year. For 7 bucks a day, we're going to get unlimited soda. And, you know, you don't all have to get your own mug. Like, Nick and I shared a mug the whole time. We'll get a second mug when we're at PAX, because I think my wife and daughter will be there. So, it'll be fun to have, like, two mugs where we're, like, you know, filling up soda. Anyway... I thought that was kind of neat and unique, so that's why I wanted to bring that up. But then uh, Nick went painting, and I met the graphic designer for our game that will be coming out, hopefully, either later this year or early next year. We met our graphic designer, all the art's done for the game. We're super excited, super cool, chill guy, has a family. We talked about that. We didn't really talk about much else, but really neat to do. And then I got into a Helionox Chronicles demo from the designer of Helionox, but I'm going to wait on that till Terrence gets there. But first, let's talk about Jerry's morning. What did you do Friday morning, Jerry? Friday morning, I played in another RPG. I played in the Alien RPG. And last time I played this was at Gen Con in 2019, and I had a blast. And yet again, I had a blast playing this. It's a ton of fun play these little one-shot alien games Uh, my character was the captain i died when the alien popped out and my crewmate just lit the whole area up with his flamethrower including me and i had a flaming dying alien fall on top of me and and incinerate me so i I at least went out in a blaze of glory but i i did die as almost all characters do in this game but um it it was a lot of fun cool how about you uh terrence what did you do in the morning before our healing ox demo yeah, uh, I actually forgot before Osworn that I played in the Lord of the Rings event uh, at the end of the day, the last like event, which was Hunt for the Dreadnought, which is one of their epic multiplayer events. And I actually met up with, not by intention, but I saw some people that we played games with at Con of Heroes, so that was kind of fun, small world. Not uh, that small. And- you guys are all LCG fans, right? <laughs> like. So it's not surprising. I mean, it's not that, that like I happen to be, I happen to sit at their table. I guess because well, sure. there's a bunch of different groups and people that were playing uh, there as well. But yeah, that I, I think there was I don't know like ten, fifteen, I don't know groups or something. It's like pretty decent size and uh, all playing the same quest. So we're all playing one game, large game together, uh, and so now, that's so. Good is experience. this Gen Con specific scenario, or is this scenario that you always have access to, but maybe you don't have access to as many people? You can definitely buy it. Well, uh, I don't know how good FG, like, print and play, yada, yada, off stuff, but it's a thing in theory you can buy from Asmodee. Well, Games um, Center does a lot of their print and play stuff. I know that. Yeah, I think they made this after they sold their printer, but it was, I believe, the last Gen Con scenario for Lord of the Rings gotcha. that they did. Well, Christian Peterson, who owns Games Center... He is printing playing a lot of that stuff. So if you go to the store in Minnesota, I know you can pick that stuff up. A lot of the print and play stuff. Uh, they'd like print and play Arkham Heroes that were only available through print and play. They actually also, if you didn't hear the news, bought one of my favorite games of all time, which is Keyforge. And they actually printed the Keyforge Adventures. And Jerry actually called me during this morning and said, hey, I'm at the booth. Christian Peterson's here. You should come talk to him. And he was mobbed by people. So I never ended up talking to him. But bottom line, they actually printed the Keyforge Adventures, which was something people were asking for. I know they said they brought over 400 copies of each adventure to the con and they sold out. So Keyforge, people who think it's dead or the haters, guess what? It's not dead. 
And <laughs> the Keyforge haters, they're everywhere. Everywhere, man. <laughs> everywhere. Well, if you listen to uh, Team Covenant, I feel like they've declared it dead several times at this point. But yeah, no, the, the exciting news for us co-op fans about that, though, is that this has done well. And they do plan on supporting this into the future, the you know, by designing new adventures when new sets come out and obviously printing them as well. So this is exciting news, at least for me, where you can keep Keyforge alive, you can play a co-op, you can play it solo. And, and just like everything else, I feel like these adventures will get better as time goes on. You know, their their first attempts were very good, but... I'm excited for what the future holds for uh, new Keyforge adventures in the future. And I'm glad it's a mode they're planning on supporting going into the future as well. So back to the Pernal Demand thing, uh, Terrence. The older Pernal Demand things they had for, I know for Lord of the Rings, the quality wasn't as good as the real thing. It didn't really matter too much for Lord of the Rings because they were all self-contained decks, but it, the quality was just not not as good. I got... The print on demand stuff from Game Center for the print and play stuff that was released by Asmodee for Twilight Imperium 4, which is, you know, the stuff behind me. And uh, that stuff is much higher quality than it than it used to be. So that's good to know. There you go. I haven't bought anything from Game Center from their print and play, but they did restock all of the like Lord of the Rings Nightmare that went out of print. So for people yep. that is, are hunting for those things, that's like a really good ad as well as a bunch of the Arkham stuff. And then even the parallel investigators, which they force people to print out by hand uh, or manually and figure out a way to get it, they've started printing some of that stuff. And also the novellas used to have promo cards uh, as well. So you had to buy like a $20 book to get like a basically like promo investigator. But it wasn't even just like promo as an alt art. It was like alternate art of an investigator. Plus it would have a different like signature weakness and like a signature kind of card with it. So it was like a different way to play some of those investigators. So they have that where you can just buy that and because those books are out of print, so you can't even get them anymore. Um, so it's been really cool to kind of see that. Uh, yeah, and they sell it uh, online too on the Game Center website. So yeah. for those that don't have a an inn in Minnesota, you can order yeah. it online. Well, and I'll say, yeah. like, I'm super excited. Like, Fantasy Flight was a big deal, and we know Asmodee has turned it into you know, not as big a deal nowadays. <laughs> <say> not. <laughs> but but Ghost Galaxies is Christian Peterson who made Fantasy Flight what it was. He's the original mind behind Fantasy Flight games. And so I'm super excited to see what Ghost Galaxies comes up with in the future. So I will I will definitely be keeping my eyes on them. Alright, uh, that was a bit of a tangent. So back back to <laughs> Terrence, yeah. your uh the ring thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, Hunt for the Dreadnought, uh, I think, is unique for some of the epic multiplayer stuff. It's done by Jeremy Zwern, which I think he did like May Star Wars Destiny and some other stuff, but he has had his hand. He's part of like the LCG crew down there. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you basically fight like this massive dreadnought ship, uh, and basically you all progress through the quest together. Wait, but in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Dreadnought, like Lord boat ship, not spaceship. A boat ship. Okay, all right. Whenever I hear Dreadnought, I always think of spaceships for, I guess, Twilight Imperium reasons. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, you're, you're hunt, hunting this big, like, massive ship. Uh, and it even comes in the, like, it's actually kind of annoying for transporting it. But it's the double double size, like, the Ant-Man Wasp size, like, giant card. But it doesn't fold. 
like it it is not creased to fold so you basically have this massive ship that's this giant card which thematically is cool uh but is actually really annoying too if you ever want to take that right <laughs> take that anywhere with you uh and plenty of people have basically like reprinted it as a small card uh, like Got a normal it. size card but you know so you're hunting this thing also like the first quest you you basically have to progress collectively as a group uh so you know he went around basically asking each group periodically like how much quest they've put on the quest card and then once we all hit a certain number based on the number of people in the group like we would all basically get to the next part of the quest and then you have to hunt the dreadnought and then you're basically like calculating how much damage you do and then when he kind of hits half he like flips over to like a weakened state because it's like burning in flames but it's neat because the two kind of epic multiplayer quests that jeremy has done so traditionally like you would have to basically be in sync with each round in your epic multiplayer group so usually it's like three groups playing together and then like you'd have to wait for all the groups to hit the end of round to go to the next round right and this one you get to play as fast or slow as you want and you're just like calculating kind of the totals so it makes it a much more fluid experience that can scale a lot better cool yeah so that was fun uh and then i guess segueing into friday Friday morning i end up doing the arkham horror event uh which was not new and it was the machinations in time which was jeremy's arkham event that i think he did it was i think the last basic arkham gen con event they had back in 2019 i think but i had not played it before were like rehashes of the yeah yeah. it it was it was a it was the generic ticket price so you didn't even get to take the quest home so there's no like promos or anything which i think probably upset some people but yeah, I, I went and did that, and that was cool because it's like a time traveling thing with like Tesla and other folks uh, in history. And you're like, you have three groups that are uh, past, present, and future, and you have things that happen in the past affect the present, and then things you do affect the future. And you can do things that kind of go back and forth in time. And so uh, at first, you don't really know what's going on, and kind of have to figure it out. It is a very fun quest, and it's Arkham, so I don't really want to say a whole ton more because I don't necessarily want to spoil it. But Well, yeah, I um, mean, bottom line for all this, you can go to these conventions and play events for your favorite games, Lord of the Rings, Arkham, or Marvel Champions, and like get experiences that you won't be able to get outside of the con. Yeah. That's kind of the cool part for me. So let's talk a little bit. Kill and Knox Chronicles, which is a game that is coming to Kickstarter. The designer, I've been in touch with him. He's hoping for November. But Kill and Knox is a game you brought, Terrence, to the attention of Mike and the OSCS group. So let us know your thoughts on Kill and Knox, and then let's bring it to Chronicles. Yeah, so Kill and Knox is a deck builder, I guess, if you were to categorize it. I think originally designed as a competitive deck building game uh, that is sci-fi. I think the lore is basically you have these architects uh, and then it's all around that catastrophic event he was talking about with us uh, about, I believe it's Mercury blowing up or something. And then I think a solo mode got added to it and it kind of got really popular. And this is how I found about it in the one player guild on BGG of like it being a pretty good solo game. And so that's kind of where I found it and picked it up after the Kickstarter. So there was like an original one and then a deluxe edition that kind of added pickup and delivery to it. But what's kind of neat about the core game is that you can actually go through the game and not buy a whole lot of cards, which 
maybe makes it not a great deck builder uh, compared to other deck builders in that sense. But there's a lot of other ways you can spend your money um, because there's locations on the board. You can build embassies that make it cheaper to actually travel to different locations. And uh, each location also has like things that are unique to that location that you, you can leverage for resources and stuff like that. It also has a cool mechanic where I, I love this in deck builders where when you buy cards, uh, it goes on the top of your deck or in your hand. So you get to actually see it the next turn and you don't have to kind of wait to reshuffle it. So even at, near the end game, it's still worth buying cards because you can use them, you know, on the, up to the last turn. And anytime you can get card draw, you can kind of get that in your hand. But it was always a fun and neat puzzle because depending on the cards that come out and other stuff, like your in the architects you pick, your strategy may change of like what you're going to do during the turn. So you're not like doing the same stuff over and over. Well, and this was cool for me because Nick ended up playing with us, who's my son, and he this is the first time he got a chance to playtest something that's not really released to the public yet. So it was it was just a neat experience. The one thing I'll say is this is exactly for our audience. Terrence said the original Heliox is a deck builder, it's competitive. They had a solo mode. Heliox Chronicles is literally designed for solo and co-op play only. So it is exactly for our audience. There are some things with the deck building. They did things to streamline the game and shorten the game, which I think were good. But they also did some things because they shortened it where you're not seeing as many of the cards, even though you put them on the top of your deck. So I was actually talking to the designer today. I'm not probably going to be ever officially credited with helping development, but he and I are working on some stuff to make the game even better than what we played when we played it that day. So I will say I enjoyed it enough that I'm basically willing to give free development, playtest feedback, whatever else. So he and I actually talked quite a bit today and worked our way through it. So I, I will say I will probably be giving this my seal of approval by the time it comes out because I will have uh, at least the thing... <laughs> I had problems with, I am hopefully going to help make them better. I, I'm, I'm curious uh, not to delay the podcast, but I'm, I'm curious offline some of the stuff you suggested. Yeah, I mean, the, the new game, he changed the, changes the pacing of it. Um, and so the rounds are longer because you're able to kind of do multiple things. And basically in the first game, you'd kind of do your whole turn and then kind of pass on the next player. And in this game, you, you do one action at a time, right? And then the next player gets to an action. And so it does kind of break up your turns uh, significantly. And then every two actions that are performed by everyone, you have to kind of roll dice for basically the enemy force to kind of do stuff, which kind of gives you a lot more things to deal with than I think the original game, which you only have to do that at the end of the round, not the end of your, like, I guess, like two action turn. Right. Um, and it reminds me a lot of like when you compare Nations to Through the Ages, and I like both of those games, but Nations, you're doing micro actions, and Through the Ages, you do like this huge, massive turn. So some people like one, some people like the other. But for me, Helionox Chronicles is one to keep your eye out for. That's for sure. All right, Jerry, you went back to more RPGs, right? I did. I went back and I played the One Ring which is a relatively new RPG based on Lord of the Rings that's come out in like the last year, I think. I had previously read like a, a sort of a primer on the rules. Uh, they didn't really grab me, but I like the theme, so I wanted to give it a try. And it was a lot of fun. Still not sure I care for the mechanics of it, but the, the GM did a great job and the, uh, the game was fun. So that was the, the One Ring RPG, which I believe they're coming out with a Lord of the Rings, like a version of the RPG for Dungeons & Dragons framework the 5e framework sometime 
the end of this year, I think. So maybe if they, I don't care for the mechanics of that, I'll like the mechanics better with uh, the new version. All right. So for me in the afternoon, I went around with Nick. So this was a very Nick-centric day, as you can tell, even though we did Heliox. Uh, he and I walked the hall together, and I basically let him lead. This is our first time walking the hall. It wasn't until Friday afternoon, so basically halfway through the con for us, because we stayed Thursday, Friday, Saturday, till we finally walked the con. I let him take the lead, so I was not specifically looking for co-op games. And when you don't specifically look for something, you don't find it. And so there's not really much for me to talk about for this Friday afternoon. Terrence, I, we haven't gotten to your Friday afternoon. What did you do after we were done there? Anything uh, interesting for our fans? I mean, I, I ended up talking actually to Tarek, the designer of Helinox, for another three hours. Uh, That's right. So I'm I sure remember. I'm going to get a bunch <laughs> of uncredited on and kind of changes comparing and contrasting the two um, before he kind of went off to his pitch. Um, and then after that, I uh, went and played Marvel United. Actually, probably one of the few people who have not played it before, but I went and played that to collect the Juggernaut promos for friends in the Discord. Cool. So what were your thoughts on Marvel United? I know we've all played, but all of us have only played the base game, right? Yeah, I also only demoed the base game uh, there as well. Uh, They did have the X-Men one, but uh, that table was busy. And since I was mostly interested in getting the the promos, I didn't actually care which one I played. (laughs) So what were your Uh, thoughts, Terrence? Uh, I thought it was pretty good, right? Uh, like, oh, you're lying. For what it, Stop. For what it is, like, I think it's a pretty good game for the weight and whatever. Uh, I think I just, I think I'm just not interested in buying in at like four hundred dollars worth of Marvel United, right? But like, if you're picking this up for fifteen dollars and you want to play fifteen minutes of something with people, I would say like for people who maybe don't play a ton of games, like. It's not a complex game, and for what it is, it's probably it's pretty well streamlined, right? At least the 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 like sure. scenario I played, like there aren't exceptions that you have to talk about edge cases in the rules. Like you can explain the rules, and it plays pretty smoothly. Uh, and then you know the card sharing mechanic reminds me a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman, the like kind of dice sharing thing. Uh, I enjoy that mechanic of like decisions you make do impact other players. And so I think that is probably the best thing about that game is that you get that kind of forced cooperation. But it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a super, at least the the base game, it wasn't super deep. I think the theme is like super Or, or interesting. I mean, I don't know, like it, it is what it is, right? Like I'm, I'm not, it's not like a thing you're trying to dig into a lot. It's like, it's about as interesting to me as like Pandemic is. It's like it is a gateway game, right? Like it, it that's what it is. And the theme feels super pasted on for me, even with the minis. Like I played Black, Black Widow and I had one card, I think, that in theory was unique to me. Uh, I, I guess like maybe the icon distribution is different, but I had something that allowed me to look at the Mastermind deck and either bottom it or leave it on top. And that was like the unique thing for me. But like Red Skull didn't feel anything like Red Skull. Like none of the characters actually felt super like special, but you know, the cooperation for what it is as a very, very simple gateway game, I think is, I don't have like a lot of complaints about it for what it is. Right. Yeah. So Jerry, your thoughts on it before I trash it. I have no thoughts on Marvel United. Didn't you play it? I I do not care for Marvel United. Let's let's just leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't want to yuck people's yum. Yeah. No, I'm not going to trash it. I will say that Steve Loves it, obviously, on our channel. He did a lot of streaming of it with his wife. And Tom Vassell seems to love it as well. Now, to be fair, I have only played the core base box. 
And it's just not that interesting. Like, it's just not. Now, I've heard that it gets better with expansions. But for me, Marvel United is, I guess, a good gateway game. But I don't even know that, like, here's the problem with stuff that's, like, Marvel-themed or whatever else-themed. It's hard to get people into it unless they're into that theme. Like, I bring my friends over or, like, my kids' friends, like, parents over. They come over. I'm not bringing out a Marvel theme. Something more like Wingspan. You, mean you want some solar throw that the theme is papered on? I mean, look, I'd rather bring the mind out where there's no theme, right? Where I can just bring it to the table, play it. Like, for me, that's a more interesting 15-minute game. Yeah, I mean, I honestly wish it didn't have any theme. But, like, as a gateway game, like, I could see myself playing. Like, I think my parents could play Marvel United without any difficulty. Yeah, Like, it's that level of gateway game for me. Absolutely. Um, And even with the Marvel theme, they probably could get behind it because they don't care about Marvel. So it's not, like, whatever to them. Again, like I think it is, and they sold it for fifteen bucks at the booth, and I think for a fifteen dollar gateway game that would play with people that aren't regular board gamers, like I think that's fine for what it is. What I was hoping they would be selling was some expansions at the booth because I don't own any. I literally bought it for thirty bucks at Walmart or whatever. Well, why do you want more? You you literally don't like the game. <laughs> no, but yeah, good question, man. Good question. No, 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 but I want I want to like it, right? They had the X-Men one as well for 15 bucks, like the base game. And they had, I saw some people walk away with a bunch of shrink wrap X-Men stuff, but I don't know how you got it. I mean, I saw long lines around the Spin Masters booth, so. Yeah, that's what I wanted, though. That's, I, I wanted expansions because I want to see what adding complexity to the game does for the game. But because um, I, I don't hate are, the are mechanics. You like, are you like a couple hundred dollars interested? No, in I'm that. not. That's the problem, right? Like for 15, nope. 30 bucks. I'm all in for a couple hundred dollars. Like I'm out. That's I mean, the problem well, with Marvel United to me. It's the the price point doesn't match what you're getting. The complexity, the whatever else. Well, like I said, I, I think at fifteen dollars, I think the price point is perfect for what you're getting. Oh, if, of course, no, it's for. it's way cheap for what you're getting. In fact, just the miniatures themselves are better than fifteen dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that 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 is a very very good price point for that. But I'm at the point where years ago, maybe a good price point would cause me to buy the game regardless. At this point, even at such a great price, I'm not sure I'd want. There are other games I'd rather play. By the way, it's right back here. Yeah, and, like and, It's on my shelf. I have it still. I just I just need something to wake it up for me. And even my kids were bored with it. Who are... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't play... Like, I, I think the, for a lot of people who are also into it, like I was talking to some other folks on Discord, it's just like... It's because you can also play it in 15 minutes. Like that is well, also sure. a big uh, pro for people who are busy with really young kids, don't have a lot of time to play games, you know, at night, and so it, it does get a lot of plays just on the timing aspect alone. But all right, so I did finally walk the hall Friday, which I said, and then we played Arc Nova at night. Any anything else anybody want to talk about before that? I got to hang out with David Thompson. That was kind of cool. I mean, don't name drop here, Terrence. That's not what this is. Uh, about. It was just, just kidding, mostly man. fun because uh, he's a friend of a coworker of mine, and I've been meaning to meet with him. I actually haven't even played any of his games, so it's not even like I am drooling over the guy because I love his games. I only wanted to meet with him because he's a friend of a friend, and we were playing a meeting in 2020 at Gen Con, and it has taken, I guess, a few years uh, <laughs> since then because of obvious reasons. But you know, it's finally nice to meet meet the person face to face. And honestly, probably one of the coolest things about being at John Hans that 
like a lot of the designers actually there in person and you can talk to them, right? Well, and it and shows you more and more. These people are real people. And even like Caleb, the designer of Marvel Champions, one of my favorite games. I talked to him a lot this weekend. I had never met him before. Super nicest guy you've ever want to meet. And, and I feel like you get a lot of that. And designers are not necessarily the like most famous people out there. Like people are like, oh, you're a game designer. Like, oh, I want to be that so I can be famous. Nobody knows who the heck game designers are. If Reiner Knizia walked in the room, I wouldn't be able to pull them apart from Martin Wallace. You know what I mean? Or Jim from Saskatchewan. As much as we put these people on the pedestal, it's not like you're becoming famous. At least, you know, nobody pulls you aside at cons or, or not many people anyway. Yeah, I actually think the media personality are a lot more popular. Well, because you know you what they look like. I, I would even venture to say most people who play Marvel Champions don't even know who Caleb Grace is. I like, did by name, not, not even like not even like their face, right? Because obviously you, you probably haven't seen them before. But even like the name itself, even though it's on the box, I bet most people go to the game because it says Marvel Champions. It's a Marvel game. You unbox it and you play it, right? And that's about it. And I didn't honestly, but I had no idea who he was. Yeah, but he's a super cool guy, and we sat down and talked to him several times throughout the weekend, and that's one of the cool parts. Another cool part about going to these big cons is you do get to meet these people and find out they're just normal, cool, relaxed people. All right, Jerry, you have anything before Ark Nova? No, let's just get this over with. We played oh. Ark Nova. Peter crushed me. It was embarrassing. Moving on. So Ark Nova is a great game, which we're going to spend at least an hour on, because I did crush <laughs> Great. Jerry. Great. He did. Because I, 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 I mean, I crushed Jerry so bad that there were tears, literal tears coming from his oh, eyes. Yeah, no, very much. No, uh, Ark Nova is a great game. I mean, if you're anything into board games at all, you've probably heard of it. It's one of the hottest games that's been out. I do have solo plays and rules breakdowns on our channel for Ark Nova. I don't think the solo mode is nearly as good. And we actually had a discussion about this on the discord the other day. I don't think this solo mode is as good as the multiplayer game, but I think the multiplayer game is very good. And I think the solo mode is very good. There's enough content in there to keep you entertained because you have eight different maps. In addition to like the basic map that you could play differently. Certainly the card draw is going to be different every time you play it, but really your actions can be very similar from game to game. So I do think there is a limited amount of solo play to it because really there's no AI bot or anything. It's just a timer. So that's kind of a bummer, but there's enough interaction in what you're trying to do. And it's more of a race game than anything else. And so I do think the multiplayer games, very interesting. Like there are times where you'll get to what they call a break, which is like the end of the round where you get your income and have to discard down to hand size. Like that is player controlled. And I do think there are very interesting things that come from that. So Jerry, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You've played this game two or three times. No, now. I like it a lot. And I think it's better than terraforming Mars personally. Boom. Um, Mic drop. Yep. Boom. I do. I enjoy it more. Even, even when I get crushed, I, I enjoy it. Although I think next time I want to try drafting the opening hands. And see if that makes it too long to start or otherwise overcomplicates it. I, I doubt it will. But since every one of the seemingly thousands of cards is unique to, to some degree, I think maybe drafting might help that one a little bit. But, you know, I really, really, really like the game. If the biggest ding I have against the game, I think at this point, is it is a huge table hog. Yeah. 
just finding some place that you can set everything up that's wide enough or if it's just a pain in the butt. But other than that, it's a great game. Yeah. So Terrence, I know you played Marvel Champions that night with Caleb and Brant from Step Into the Portal and Roy Kennedy from Dice Tower. So I don't assume you have too much you can talk about from that night. So uh, it was just fun, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I, I've never played with the designer of a game for their game before. So that was a first and that was fun. And it, it was nice just to, we played at the bottom of the Dripping Noodle. But, you know, it was just nice to get away from, I think, the convention center and the noise. And so that was like kind of a fun night of just playing a game. And Jerry and I ended up doing the Keymaster event that night. We met with, I mean, again, we know Henry pretty well. So he's the one who invited us. There was a bunch of board game media contributors that you would know there. Becca Scott was there. Things Get Dicey. Paula Deming. There are some Twitch people that I knew there. There were some people from Dice Tower News and Dice Tower, like the main show there. So yeah, it it was a fun industry event. But again, like no gaming that happened that night after that. Well, video gaming. Well, video gaming. So yeah, Tappers is a cool bar that's about a mile from the convention center that has like free video games that you could play. So if you're like you know, Gen Xer, where you grew up playing video games in an arcade. It's literally that, except you don't have to bring quarters. Unless you want to play pinball. You got to pay for the pinball. Really? Which is the only downside. Yep. Oh, yeah. Speaking of pinball, Jeff Engelstein was there, whose, like, biggest, most famous game probably at this point is his, like, solo pinball game, which, by the way, is very good. We've never covered that. But both Mike and I like his pinball games very much. It is a roll and write, but a, a very good one. That simulates pinball and more of a solo experience, even if you're playing multiplayer. So check those out if you haven't. There's plenty of free print and play opportunities for that. So look into that if you haven't tried out that. Do you know? Does anybody know the game? I know it's out by WizKids. Super Skill Pinball. Super Skill Pinball. Yes, and there's so many themed ones now and whatever else. But yeah, yeah Mike covered that one. Mike did cover it. Yeah, he had a playthrough and a review on the main channel. Yeah, yeah. So, but we haven't covered on the podcast yet or the streaming channel. And I do think it's good and definitely good for solo players. If you like pinball, it does feel a lot like pinball for sure. And there's fun, interesting decisions in that one. So I really like that. But I do know Jeff personally as well. So take that with a grain of salt as it were. All right. Are we ready for Saturday? Let's go. So 8.30 a.m. after being out way too late on Friday night, we... um, (laughs) We got to meet with Restoration Games, who thankfully were on the, in the same hotel, on the same floor as us, so we didn't have to go very far to do the Dark Tower expansion, which is also yes, that was right very, now. very fortunate. So, Jerry, tell us a little about what you thought of the new Dark Tower stuff and some of the highlights. So, the folks at Restoration are doing a reprint of the Return to Dark Tower game and adding a new expansion called Covenant. And we got a media demo from the team at Restoration, sort of walking us through the elements of the new expansion. So we haven't covered Return to Dark Tower yet on the channel. I think the only thing we did was talk about it at Origins Recap, right? Yep. Because we had played the um, pre-production version at Origins. Restoration demoed it for us there. And I think Peter's quote for that was that it was a fun romp. Yes. And um, Mike made fun of me and said, it, that uh, means We all made fun terrible. of you for that. <laughs> and I said, no, romps are good. What's wrong with a romp? Romper room yeah. is like my favorite kid show. <laughs> I see you, Peter. 
She never saw Peter. By the way, in all my years of watching, <laughs> she never saw Peter. Because that joke's going to go over the head of so many people, Peter, or that reference. Anyway. Yes. Well, they're, they're uh, probably way younger than I am, so that's fine. Yeah. So my my opinion on the base game of Return to Dark Tower is it is, uh, I think, Fun Romp is a good way to describe it. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but to some degree, it was a little easy. And that seems to be something that this expansion in particular is ramping it up a bit. So what I do to address that criticism of the game, because honestly, it's a fun romp, partially because you don't have to think too much. But here, yeah. they created movement puzzles. They created a lot of puzzles, which increased complexity and increased the fun. So, Well, I wouldn't say increased complexity. Like It doesn't make the game much more complicated, but it does make the decisions more weighty. And a little bit more thinky. I didn't want to make it sound like the the game is super complex now because it's not. But they've been added things in. Like, for example, in the base game, you could essentially move from one side of the board to the other every turn. Movement was very easy. You could pretty much get almost anywhere you needed to go in a single move action. They've changed that up in this expansion by adding something called Wastelands. So a bunch of these Wastelands will be all over the board. If you move into one, you have to stop. And then you can start up again the following turn. But by inject those sort of little hazards in the way of your movement, you have to really consider, all right, I'm moving towards this place so I can set myself up where I want to go on my next turn. Whereas in the previous version, it's just you just move there. And that's just a piece of the expansion. But it did add a bit more weight to some of the decisions that you were making and setting yourself up in the future. And I really liked it. Well, yeah, one of the other things they did, which was a complaint of mine from the base game, was like all four regions of the board, north, south, east, west, kind of the same buildings at the start. And here they had special Mm -hmm. buildings that you constructed as the game went on by doing tasks. So one of them was like, don't move and you get a progress toward this. And then once you've progressed even and gotten all these like quest points toward building this building, you still have to go there and spend the action to build it as well. So like, do I spend time doing that? Do I focus on whatever? And meanwhile, there are no skulls being placed in that building. Cause again, that was another negative was like skulls were pretty easy to keep clear in the base game, but they have two ways of addressing that. Number one, you only have like three buildings per region instead of four to put your skulls in. So that puts a little more pressure in because of that. The other thing they added is these black skulls, which come out and you put them in a building and they can never be removed. So it takes up a space of those like three skulls per building. It took up one of those spaces. So I'm getting into a little bit of details here. But the bottom line is I think they heard the criticisms of the complexity and easy nature of the base game and did things to address it. And to be clear, there is a higher difficulty level in the base game that I don't think Peter or I ever played. We were mainly talking about the base level game, so it might have made it more difficult, but the weight of the decisions didn't seem to change that much. Whereas with this new expansion, it's probably more difficult, but it also adds more strategy and, and thinking ahead than the base game did. So I really like it. I think it's a great game. It's a bit pricey, but you know, if you have nostalgia for the old Dark Tower board game or you know, you're just interested, it is a fun game. And is that on Kickstarter and the was very good. Game Found or what's the new one? It is currently on BackerKit. Backer so Kit. BackerKit has decided to enter the crowdfunding realm competing with Kickstarter and GameFound. GameFound and BackerKit used to just be pledge managers. Now they've both moved into the crowdfunding arena as well. 
And I think the Dark Tower reprint and the new expansion are the first board game crowdfunding that Backer Kit is doing. And they're doing quite well. They were over 1.3 last Yeah, 1. I'm looking at it right now. 1.4 million dollars, almost 1.5, and over 12,000 almost 13,000 backers with 7 days left on it on Backer. Yeah, good for them. I mean, I'm a big fan of the stuff that Restoration does. I really like Unmatched. I really like Stop Thief, although that's almost pure nostalgia. But, but that uh, does have solo call mode as stuff. well. It does. All right, Terrence, we haven't heard from you in a while. What did you do on Saturday morning? I got to the hall as soon as possible to pick up more promos for people. Uh, I went to the <laughs> My Hero Academia nice. booth at 9.55 or whatever, because I opened the hall a little bit early. They were selling exclusive Gen Con playmats, and within a minute of me standing in line in the process of trying to purchase a playmat, the line wrapped around the booth and it's like one of those larger booths. And I was pretty amazed how fast these lines form at Gen Con. So uh, you were no one joke. of the bulls. You were like the first bull. You were like an alpha bull. Yep. I knew that like, it just like they, they, they did a, one of those things where they limit, they know it sells out. So they limit the quantity each day. Right. And so I was like, if I'm going to get this thing for this person, I one don't want to wait, want to wait in an hour plus line. Cause that sucks. And two, they'll probably sell if I get an A later. So I think I was like the fourth person in line uh, when I got there. That's what I did in the morning. And then I went and played GI Joe Mission Critical. I went to the Renegade booth and kind of demoed that whatever room that they have when you have a lot of money and you can pay for that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So let's hear about uh, GI Joe Mission Critical. That's a new property for them. I mean, GI Joe, not so much. They had GI Joe, the deck building game. But this is a new foray into that, and it's a lot like Power Rangers, you said, right? Yeah, it's called the Guardian System now. They've named it, but it wasn't called the Guardian System when Power Rangers was created. But it's another game in that kind of entry, and I'm a big fan of that. And we actually have, why we, I mean, Mike is putting up a video on the main channel for his review, and I think he's doing a playthrough as well. Of G.I. Joe? No, of, of Power Rangers. I was about to say, you know, just like many, many years late where uh, he's right. finally now doing a review. Well, yeah, that's way uh, late. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've been working on the mic because I think either you or both of you all played like an earlier play test of it. Yeah, um, we before pl- the we final played version came out. Yes. And I think he had fairly negative opinions, but I've been egging him on a bunch. And it sounds like not to spoil a ton of stuff, but I, it sounds like he doesn't totally hate it now. Uh, so that's, you know, a plus. But you'll yeah. have to wait for the review to kind of get his real opinion there. But yeah, so it's based off that, but they're replacing the Megazords with a vehicle marketplace now. So in the Power Rangers game, when you kill enough of the kind of foot soldier minions, you unlock like a Megazord as this like kind of, usually it's like a one-time effect that exhausts, but then you get to ready it each round, essentially. And, you know, there's only actually like four or five rounds in the course of a game, usually. Uh, by that time, you either win or lose. But in G.I. Joe, the values are lower and the foot soldiers are more of a currency. So you have this kind of marketplace of three vehicle cards. And I think as you kill more of the monsters and bosses, that marketplace gets larger. And so, you know, you have anywhere from like, I think I saw from two to five, kind of that's the value. And then one of the characters they had in the core set, Cover Girl, she had an ability that was once per battle, you can actually reduce the cost of vehicle by one as well. So I think one of the kind of big changes for me was getting away from, usually you save your Zord abilities for like kind of the big battles that round and kind of being able to use it more freely because it doesn't cost as much to do, right? 
and you only have three, so you can't just save it. And so they get refreshed every battle too. So you don't have to be afraid when you use it that they don't get replenished. Um, and then her whole kit is actually built around that vehicle marketplace, which was kind of cool. So uh, there are only three there. So you ha- kind of have to be a little wary of just like burning through all those vehicles. But she has like a card that you can basically discard a vehicle. And then the cost of that vehicle, so you actually want a high cost vehicle, is how much damage you can do to an enemy. And they have like a equivalent one for actually reducing damage dealt to you. Yeah, so cool. I was a little wary about that vehicle thing, but uh, I think I'm coming around on like it is an interesting addition that I think will make it feel different from Power Rangers. Yeah, it's neat that they're using the same system, but putting in the G.I. Joe universe, which honestly I'm much more interested in than Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. That, same for me, too. Uh, I only got into Power Rangers because there was nothing else like it at the time. And there, it was the only IP that existed for it. You know, I bought it like literally like a month before they announced the G.I. Joe game, which was great for me. But in theory, it's supposed to be cross compatible, which I am very skeptical of how that's going to work because I asked a bunch of questions and the you know, I, I think the person who was demoing it had no idea. Right. They also lost <laughs> the rule book, so like they couldn't even he was like, It's in the rule book somewhere, but someone took it, so nice. I, I he couldn't even like point it to me because this was like Saturday, right? So you're like three days into Gen Con. Right. Um, they they stole the but, rule book, which is yeah, uh, so someone stole the rule book, so great. Uh or they misplaced it. But the demo was fun. You know, there is definitely some like sharing of it's like, oh yeah, that card definitely existed in Power Rangers. That ability exists in Power Rangers, but I don't think it's going to be like a carbon copy. It's not like this, the Blue Ranger is exactly this character in G.I. Joe. So I'm glad it's not just like a reskin of the yeah. core set. Cool. I'm, I'm getting a kick out of uh, you slinging the Power Rangers lingo, though. Of Megazords? Like, yeah, there you go. Look at these Megazords, Swords. Morbing time. Now, Jerry, I have played it. I have played it. You you played an early prototype with us, though, right? You haven't played it since its release, correct? Uh, no, I played its release. I did. I played a prototype, and then I played. I think I played the release. Didn't Mike have it? Mike just so. got a copy of it. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I think we only played early prototype, and we had a little bit of negative reaction to that. But it's definitely improved since then, for sure. It was um, okay. All right. So uh, my Saturday consisted of, actually, after that at Dark Tower morning, I ended up painting with Nicholas, my son. So he wanted me to paint. He had done some painting the day before. That's one of the other cool aspects of Gen Con. Like, they have a free place where you can go. They give you a free miniature. You get to paint it up. And uh, so he and I did that. Before Terrence so are your Oswarm minis painted now? Is that is that what happened on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. No, no yep. we did all 40k stuff. They had a bunch of 40k and fantasy there. So uh, oh, those those are not cheap minis, man. No, they're no, not. He should have kept going back and getting uh, could have come out with an army. Well, we ended up with three minis from three different genres of stuff. So no, not nothing useful. But it, it was still fun to just bond with him in something that he enjoys. Because, I mean, he plays board games with me, but I don't know that it's his passion. But he loves art and painting and stuff like that. And we just had a fun time doing that together. So it was a cool bonding experience. So we did that. And then uh, right to Mutant Genesis, where he joined us also for Marvel Champions. And uh, we're not going to cover much more of that. Because, again, we've talked a lot about Marvel Champions this weekend. And uh, I'm just going to end my day here by saying he and I walked the hall after that. 
We uh, spent some time trying to get in the Renegade event that evening. Didn't do that. Terrence did. But then we played Marvel Champions two more times that night. Because when I asked my son what he wanted to play, he said Marvel Champions. So we ended up playing that with Jerry. And then Jerry and Nick went back to the room. And then we got to meet Nick and Chuck from the Discord that night. And we just played more Marvel Champions. So that's what happened with me. Yeah, so what did you guys end up doing Saturday? Let's start with uh, Jerry. I feel like we haven't heard from you in a bit. Well, Saturday afternoon, I played another RPG, uh, Call of Cthulhu. I like to get a game of that in, well, at least one game of that in every convention, just because I think it's fun. So played a session of that, uh, got killed again. Really no surprise for that game, but it was fun. And then I'd seen information online about a new design from Kevin Wilson, who has done a bunch of stuff, uh, started off, I think, with Fantasy Flight, did like Arkham Horror 2nd Edition, Android, the board game, not the Netrunner card game, a bunch of other stuff that you've probably heard of. And he's working on a new adventure game called Kinfire Chronicles. So I was trying to hunt them down to see if I couldn't get a demo. They had some demo ticketed events, but they sold out very quickly. So I eventually found them and got a demo of what this game is going to be, which I believe launched today on Kickstarter. It's a narrative adventure game, which kind of combines like the narrative going through cards uh, in an in a narrative like uh, Too Many Bones, although the narrative is mo- more coherent and choices you might make earlier might affect things that happen later versus Too Many Bones where the cards are somewhat disconnected, followed by encounters on maps where uh, it looked somewhat similar to a boss battler. The real interesting part for me was that the game is going to ship with 15 scenarios, and each scenario is going to take like 15 minutes to set up, which I believe, having seen all the prototype components that they had, and take around 45 to 60 minutes to play. So short setup time, relatively short scenario length. I did not play it, but I did get a pretty thorough description of what's going on with it. it. Each character has their own deck, and the way the decks are constructed is it's similar to Pathfinder Adventure Card Game for those who have played that. But basically, each character has to have a certain number of each type of card. So you might have to have three red cards, two blue cards, and three green cards in your hero's deck. But you can upgrade those cards as long as you keep that same ratio going in your deck. And then they have other things that kind of mix it up a little bit. So you know some of the upgraded cards might have more than one color associated with them. So it can count as either one. But there's sort of a, a deck building element there in between rounds. There's a town phase similar to maybe like a, probably not as advanced, but a town phase maybe like a Shadows of Brimstone or Kingdom Death Monster. But it's probably, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's like Kingdom Death Monster. But sure. uh, there's and then interspersed with town phases where you could do actions within the town and things might happen to you there. So it's going to, it's a fully cooperative game with a solo mode. In the solo mode, you might play two characters. Yes, it's it's by Incredible Dream Studios. It says it's a story-rich, quick-start adventure board game for one to four players from the makers of Descent, The Witcher 3, Arcane League of Legends. Yeah, one of the big uh, things was the narrative was uh, written by some of the uh, writers for The the Witcher 3, which was intriguing, right? Uh, Because Witcher 3 generally has a very high rating for PC gamers. I haven't quite gotten to it yet, but it's on my list to play. And like I said, I didn't get to play it, but I took a bunch of pictures. I think I took some video. Maybe I'll post those up on the Discord at some point. But it looked really interesting. So, I mean, I'm intrigued to see how it plays. Cool. Well, I had nothing else for Saturday. That was it for me. Anybody else have Saturday stuff? 
No, my Saturday bled into Sunday where I flew out at seven in the morning, but uh, I think we were up like super late, right? And I forgot to eat dinner. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, yes. We were up super late because we kept playing Marvel Champions, which again, if you want to hear about that coverage, we'll talk about it Friday on our stream there because I think Brent's joining us for that as well. And he was certainly a big part of that experience. So, but yeah, no, overall, I think it was a good con. It's still not my favorite con. It's too big. There's too much to do for me. It's not as much focused around gaming. As you saw, we didn't play hundreds and hundreds of games. And for me at cons, I love going and playing old games. I love going and playing new games. I don't care about like new hotness or whatever else or checking out all the booths, which I I almost feel like it's too big to even be able to check out everything that's there. So unless you go in with a focused approach, unless you go in knowing what's going to be released, I feel like you're going to miss something at Gen Con. And for me, it's just, I don't know, that that is not fun. So for me, it's not my favorite con. I love Origins better. I love PAX better. And honestly, I love my local cons probably even better than any of those. That's my thoughts. But how about you guys? I happen to like Gen Con quite a bit. I like seeing the new stuff and walking the dealer hall getting some previews of things that either are just released or uh, haven't been released yet, which is certainly not something you get at a local con. The best you can hope for there is maybe if they bring something back from Essen, if it happens to be after Essen. I was about to say, EuroQuest, Uh, we get more new stuff than I feel like we get at Gen Con, Origins, any of these cons. I disagree. Origins was just... I'm willing to try Origins again. Origins was a little bit different because we went last year and it was scheduled on or rescheduled on somewhat short notice, I think, because of COVID. And I think it was a little bit more subdued and chaotic than usual, but it does strike me as not very well organized. I mean, we spent most of our time at Origins, not at Origins. Chuck Um, called it more amateur than Gen Con. uh, Uh, I would certainly agree with that, that assessment. Yeah. So Gen Con's not the best for playing games, though. That's for sure. Uh, And for me, that's what it's about. Right. Well, I don't need to go to a convention to play games. I do. Because I don't get to play that much. <laughs> like we, we play Marvel Champions every Friday. Yeah, what are you talking about? I mean, yeah. yes, I I do play games two nights a week. I guess I guess I shouldn't complain, but I feel like this Gen Con maybe again it's a COVID specific thing. But at this point, because Mike gets a lot of games early, I felt like there was nothing new for me there. I feel like that's a you problem, Peter. That that might be a me problem. Though. <laughs> You're like, uh, I unfortunately I get to preview games anyways because instead of going to a con, they send it to me to my doorstep. So, turns out Gen Con is not as interesting because I've already played all the new hotness. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I will say I thought this Gen Con was a bit lackluster compared to like 2019 and 2016, which are the last two times I went, just because it was there wasn't a whole lot of stuff being released, and I, I guess that's due to you know COVID, supply chain, all that stuff, but was a little bit less exciting than some of the other ones I'd been to. I mean, like we said, I, I we got Osorn came out. We previewed in 2019 and just came out right before Gen Con for a lot of people. Or yeah. Even well, after yeah, Gen and, Con I, and we had had it for a few weeks before that. And I hadn't heard anybody talking about it. Now, when we played Osworn, many people came by and are like, what is that? And so that's the benefit of the miniatures over the standee version. But beside that, like the biggest thing was Planet Unknown. We played that with Colin. At I know Comic a lot of uh, people ask us about Marvel Champions. Man, you don't need miniatures. 
That, that's true. I did ask about Marvel Champions. There, there was a lot of talk about Marvel Champions. Like, every time we were playing, people were like, what is that game? And I'm like, really? This game came out two years ago. This game's great. Go play it. Yeah, we found out about the same time we were demoing Osworn. That was a good Gen uh, Con, now that I think back. That was 2019 was a great one. Gen Con, because we <laughs> yeah. also had the Fancy Flight in-flight report. Remember those? That was yeah, amazing. that was sad. Yeah, we didn't yeah get save it. Issue. None of that anymore. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with Jerry on my thoughts on Gen Con for the most part. Like, I think it's a unique experience if you haven't gone and you love this hobby. I think it if you can make your way out there, it's definitely a very unique experience. Both the hall, whether you like it or not, depending on where on the spectrum you are on, like either the Jerry or Peter spectrum. But I think seeing it for the first time and kind of going through it can be both overwhelming and also pretty neat to like see all these people here for a hobby that you love. I think one of the things that's unique about Gen Con for me too is I feel like it encourages me not to back games actually because you can often find the Kickstarter version of the game at Gen Con that they're willing to sell, like the extra copies printed. And you can often get it for the same price. And so it's just like if you're willing to take it home, it like just feels like you don't have to follow the crowdfunding and other stuff as much. You can kind of just go to Gen Con and it's not new new necessarily as much, but like it might be new to you, right? And so I think there's a lot of that that happens at Gen Con that if you're a content creator, you're into this stuff, you may not be getting as much new stuff. But if you're a board gamer, I think, who maybe isn't doing it as regularly of like following all the all the things, um, I think you get a lot of value out of finding new things at Gen Con. Here, here's the thing for me, though. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. But here, here's the part for me. I spent probably two half days walking the hall and I'm walking with my son and I didn't finish walking the hall. And I spent so much of that time looking at accessories and art booths and this and that and the other. Whereas I feel like if I go to Origins, if I walk the hall, that's literally all the hot games and all the games, period. I just feel like these other cons have a smaller dealer hall. Yes, it's not the spectacle, but you get game-focused stuff. Whereas here, there were booths for like Salvation Army and like all kinds of crazy stuff that I didn't care about. You know what I mean? Like, I I do feel like, yes, it's bigger and yes, it's a spectacle, but it's also not as board game focused. You just Uh, walk past the booth? Yeah, I mean, I I, I would say what Jerry said, like there's most of the majority of it by a large margin, like I would say 75%, if not more, is board game companies. And there's like 25% that's like the whatever author art creation area that was a section, you know, like in a lot of the smaller booths. But I think some of the other stuff there is like there are large booths, right? Like where you can go and sit down and try, try something like Marvel Champions. Like we directed a bunch of people to that on Sunday. You can go try Twilight Inscription. You can go sit like, you know, like you can go sit down and actually like play a bunch of games, even if it's only for a turn at some of these booths. But, you know, I I saw a lot of people just wrap around things, weigh in lines to do a bunch of stuff at the vendor hall. Maybe you're just more jaded and not as interested in some of the stuff. But Well, I think uh, I've exactly disproved my point because you guys are so far on the other extreme where you're like, oh, no, it was great. You get to do all this stuff. And I'm just like. I just felt like well, I was, I, you also like well, booked yourself for a bunch of stuff, right? I like I, I feel like as a media, like I feel like you're at a such an extreme, unique position compared to most people who are probably listening to this and like attending, right? Like, it's like they're here for the love of the game. They don't get games sent to them. They haven't tried a lot of things, and they aren't like set up to go to influencer events. They don't 
like I felt like you had tons of obligations to go to, and like most people are going to this thing don't right like you just get to go and enjoy it and you know like that event hall if you want to play games like after 6 p.m or whatever it's like literally free play for the rest of the evening till the next morning right like if you want to play games like there's plenty of space to play and there's also the jw marriott has that open we never made it there but like there's that room to play during the normal hours of the con too like Mm -hmm. If you want to play games, which you do not make time to do, right? Like you went and did well, all this stuff. Well, this was like, a unique one for me as well. I and mean, if you want to do RPGs, like there's that, right? Like I think there's yep. stuff for everyone uh, who want to do it. And I think the big benefit of Gen Con for me is like, I'm not going to go to your local con, Peter, right? But like, I get to see you at Gen Con, right? Like I got to see a coworker of mine who I had no idea was going until like a few months ago, right? Like he's not going to like, he's not going to go to some random con that I'm going to go to, but Gen Con brings 50 plus thousand people together. And I was surprised to see that I knew like more than just like the three of us there, right? Like I end up like meeting and knowing more people than I knew was even there. And I think that's like a unique thing that's special about a large con like Gen Con. Well, I'm going to contradict my own point here and say, it is cool that our industry has an event that is this big. And for people who don't take board games seriously or whatever else or don't know anything about board games, it is cool that we have this event that can bring people together from all across the country to one location and say, hey, this weekend, it's all about board games. And they're even extending it beyond people who can make it to Indianapolis doing the online events. There's Gen Cant. There's Gen Con Online now. So, like, yes. There's a pop-up in your local game store, too, that yep. they did during the pandemic that they're continuing mm-hmm. to do as well. So, yeah, I, I think it is awesome. I mean, Tabletop Day, they tried to make that a thing, and it really left as soon as Tabletop left. But, like, this is a cool event for our industry. I agree about that part. But for me, I just like smaller, more intimate affairs, I guess. Well, where was the first place you played uh, Marvel Champions? And I hated it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did not like it at Gen Con. I don't even remember who I played, but I, I think you played Iron Man. because you didn't play with me. I played That's Iron why. Man. I think you played Iron Man, which I, I probably would have liked it more if I liked if I played Iron Man. But I don't remember I who I played. I played Spider-Man. Did I? I think so. Anyway. Which is, which is weird, because I'm not a Spider-Man fan. But anyway. That was the first time we played it, is my point, that you got an opportunity to play it there. Well, and maybe it's just the spectacle's not there as much for me, because, like, you're right, in-flight reports. (laughs) Reports? That's the animated version. Yes. The reports. (laughs) The Spider-Ham version? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Dirk Ruggier, I think this year, probably because of the pandemic and other stuff, like who even knew if it was going to happen this year or not? Because I felt like they changed it somewhat last minute too last year of kind of putting it on and just supply chain and other stuff. Like I think there just weren't as many announcements and things. Like I didn't really know as much stuff, but I think I just took the opportunity to go and actually like meet and hang out with the designers and and other folks that. Well, that's one uh, of the cool parts. Like I got to know Caleb very well this weekend I mean, Henry, I said, is a good friend of mine, designer of parks and uh, trails. I got to know him through cons, really. I mean, we played a game online together, but live and in person, it's cons like this. It's cons like PAXU that I really get to know these people. And so for me, it is more of a social event than it is a gaming event. 
and I don't know, maybe it was just that it was such a weird year for me and, and such a weird year in general. And look, you say I get a lot of free games sent to me. I get zero free games sent to me to make it very clear. Mike gets some <laughs> free games sent to him and he brings the best of the best to me. Well, I'm just saying like you get exposure to them, right? Like yes. that a lot of people aren't privy to. So you're like saying like, oh, there's that new game. Oh, we wait, we already played it. Oh, like, yeah, we already played that. Yeah. Like, like, that's not a thing most people who are coming to Gen Con get to say, right? Like, regardless if it's actually sent to your doorstep or not. So sure. I think you're definitely, like, not the, co- like, even the super common case. I think as a content creator, you're exposed to a lot more things, whether it's sent to your door or you're playing on with the designer on, like, TTS or Tabletopia or something, right? Like, I think you ju- you do just get more exposure to stuff. So things just won't be as exciting or new, right? Well, in, in uh, general, like I'm exposed to a lot more gamers as well. Like when I went to Con of Heroes, we didn't just say Con of Heroes. That's when I played Planet Unknown. Mike did, Mike's never played that one. It's not a super hot co-op solo game, but Colin had played it and he loved the game, right? So he introduced it to all of us. So I do get exposure to other things just being a member of the gaming community you know you you get exposed to some of these things the more gamers you know the more the more stuff you get exposed to yeah i i think gen con is a kind of catch-all kind of thing though right like if you want to play games i think you can make that your thing i know people who go who just do rpg and true dungeon and stuff like that and that's what they do And <laughs> I've never done but, you know you, you can do that side by side with people who don't care about that stuff as much, right? Like they're all in the same place, which is kind of cool. So I think sure. there's plenty of people who span that kind of spectrum. It's nice to me that I, I think if you don't want to do that, maybe Gen Con is not your cup of tea too, right? Like I think a lot of people go are also there for the spectacle, even if you maybe limit your time experiencing it. Perfect example. During our Marvel Champions game on Saturday, they had the cosplay people walking through the gaming hall. And Nick just stopped playing the game completely, turned around, my son Nick, and watched this spectacle go by. And you're never going to get that experience anywhere else. Somebody made this like balloon animal dragon that's like huge, like two stories tall. Like yeah, I think that's get- the Gen Con logo. Like the right. Gen Con Dragon. But you don't get to see that anywhere else. They they make card stacking where people are going in, stacking up old Magic the Gathering cards, whatever else cards. They're like bending them and making them into like towers Did, that I'm, are like... You didn't want to stores. donate your Unsleep Marvel Champions cards for that? <laughs> yeah, so I'm just saying, they're, they're, you're right. There's The spectacle there is amazing. The people there and the opportunities to meet people there is amazing. But... I want to play more games. And I guess what you're saying to me is I could have had that opportunity and I just didn't take it. I think if you did probably less like, cause I feel like you also have obligations as a content creator doing stuff. Sure. Um, but like, you know, like getting to play Helion Knox with the designer Tarek was a really cool experience. And I really appreciate being invited to that. Right. But like, that's not a thing that I would get normal exposure to at like my local con or something. He's just not going to come to that. Right. And it just brings so many different kinds of people together that makes Gen Con unique and special. Sure. You have to kind of make the con what you want it to be. But I do think you you do get more playing time at cons that are more focused on it, right? Like if you go to BGG Con, that is a convention that is 100% about playing. Like they have vendors and stuff, but it is such a small percent compared to there's the massive BGG library. You can go borrow games from that and play, and they have the flag system and everything for like getting people together to play. 
Well, and they um, have that at Gen Con, and they had it at the stadium, like I said, but for a half day, it's 20 bucks. And look, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. To some people, it's a lot of money. To some people, it's a little money. But I felt like I just wanted that to be included. I, I guess that's part of what made me sad, angry, whatever else. At PAX, when I had nothing else to do, I'd go to the game library and check something out. Here, that wasn't an option. And I guess that's the part that angered me. Like, Saturday night, the last night we were there, we spent a lot of time walking around looking for something to do. Like, we're trying to get in this demo or that demo or whatever else. And, like, we wasted an hour plus not playing games. And where I feel like at PAX, at least, even if I didn't play a game during that time, I'd be looking through a library and seeing a bunch of stuff that maybe I've played or never played before. And maybe checking out a game to, like, read the rules or whatever. Yeah, if you're going to the PAX library on Saturday night, you're getting slim pickings, though, buddy. (laughs) Well... All right, touche. But you, you get my point, though. Like, that lack of access to an easy, accessible library bothers me. Like, at some yeah, point... I mean, part of that, that's just, just not what Gen Con is, right? That's just a different con, right? Con of Heroes, you're not getting a library to rent games, right? <laughs> like, Well, uh, but that's not... You're, I mean, everybody there is to play Marvel Champions. I mean, that's completely different. But, like, each con is their own con, right? Like, And yes. they do certain things well and certain things not as well. Yeah, I have no idea how the uh, like open play hall, you know, in the Jedi Merit was. We never went there, right? Maybe that was what you were looking for. Maybe uh, that's true. Gen Con, in closing thoughts for me, was somewhat off here, but I actually had a great time. Like I said, the designers were a highlight, and honestly, like probably more than anything, like I think the health safety protocols, I was just really impressed with. Like you were saying at the beginning, like I was a little hesitant of like a convention that large of how well would this be enforced, how respectful people would be. Uh, one of the comments we got, we went out to dinner on Friday night. The servers said Gen Con is their favorite convention in town because of how nice everyone is and how respectful they are. So That's awesome. I think we got to see that like at the con too, of like even the masking, right? And so regardless of how you feel about it, I think like it was nice that people just did it and didn't ask questions. And so it wasn't like a controversial thing. No, not at all. Yep. And, and so far, I'm still testing negative, so knock on Yeah, board. exactly. I think for a convention that large, being able to do that in this day and age seems like a big win for me. I agree. So, Jerry, you have final thoughts? No, I, I agree with pretty much everything Terrence said. I think it was a bit of an off year compared to the ones I had been to pre-pandemic. But that said, I still had a good time. Got to do some demos of some things that I hadn't really looked into. I got to play some RPGs, which is something I don't normally get a chance to do. That's my fault. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Overall, I had a great time, and hopefully uh, Gen Con can get back up to its previous years where you know, it was a lot of new releases and an endless hype machine for you to get sucked into. To be fair, though, like the games, I feel like, are the one thing that wasn't back to normal because they actually mm-hmm. said, I believe, that they had more people at this Gen Con than they had 2019. Like 50,000 people. Right? I, thought, I thought 2019 was up in the 60s, 70s. Yeah, it was, it's still a little bit smaller. It's not yeah, it's quite a bit up. smaller. It's big, though. 50,000 is still the biggest con in North America that I'm By double, of. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, By a lot. Yeah. Well, a, I think PAX might have been up to... PAX was 20, I 25, believe. 30 or something like that. Yeah. I don't know what they are now. So, depends what you're looking for, but Gen Con's a good con, obviously. For some, their favorite of the year. The greatest part for me is getting to see you guys. The location being central to the U.S. is always nice. New stuff new people if you haven't been before you should definitely check it out (laughs) what are you saying 
Oh, old people. people New like people, young before. people, old people. Well, yeah, I'm old, but yeah, that's, that is what it is. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us again for another podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Good night. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. So I just wanted to get to some final thoughts because I did play some of these games again after Gen Con. The two I want to really focus on are first Ready, Set, Bet. Jerry's just wrong on that. He doesn't know because he didn't play it at the time. But I played it with Mike since then. And it's a great game. I played it with my family more. It's just an awesome game. Definitely the highlight of the show. Hopefully that comes out soon. And hopefully when it comes out, they'll have the app ready. Because I do think you need at least four people to play it now. I think it would even be better with four later when the app is ready so that everybody can play at the same time and nobody has to be the dice roller. It is a fun roll to do, but at the same time, the betting part, the frantic nature of it is the fun part. And I think with a really well-implemented app, that game could be even the next step better. The other game I want to talk about is one I trashed on a little, which was Marvel United. Well, after this, you could kind of tell I was hesitating near the end there. And I was saying, you know, if I had more content, maybe I'd like it more. Well, I did go out and buy some more content for it. And I got to say, I'm not going to change my mind 100%. This isn't like the best game ever, but the newer content is definitely better. There's more uniqueness in each of the heroes. Each of the scenarios plays a little bit differently. It's definitely hot or cold. There are definitely some scenarios that are better than others, but adding more content definitely adds something to this game. And the fact that you could play it in 15 to 30 minutes does make it a lot easier to get to the table. Now, is it worth the price you're going to pay for that additional content? That's the question I don't know about. If The game itself was $30 for a core set, $15 for each expansion. I think I could recommend it a lot more. The problem is for the price point, you are paying a lot for something that has value for certain, and I am enjoying for certain, but I I don't know that you're going to get hundreds of dollars of value out of it. So that's, of course, an individual decision for everybody to make, but I do enjoy it way more now than when I just had the core stuff. That is for sure. Hey, guys. I think you need to get off here and start working on your next rolling bite. Yep, rolling bites. I think that's the way to go. I do like it, to it's ch- gold, Peter. Gold. I do yeah. like to chew on dice. We we make the dice. <laughs> they make them. They can do a thing with hungry, hungry gamer rolling bites. I mean, if we had chocolate dice, everybody would be a hungry gamer.